live another day. Mirrors can't talk. Luckily for you, they can't laugh either. A lot of story there, a lot of lore uh, for those of you who are into that kind of thing. I love you. Welcome to Live, Laugh, Lore, the podcast that explores where we've been and where we may go next in the world of Warcraft. Welcome, everyone, to Live, Laugh, Lore, episode 22, the show that likes to get all up in the lore. And maybe use that line before. I don't know, but we're going with it. Each episode, we'll check in, have some laughs, and talk all about the lore of Warcraft 1 or two topics at a time, much like today. My name is Allie, the one that's convinced that the brokers and ethereals are somehow related. No, no matter what anyone says, still convinced of it. And I'm joined by the one that doesn't trust the brokers at all. It's Jin. Nope. Well, except, uh, what's her name? Venari. She seems trustworthy. <laughs> maybe. I, maybe. Okay. I don't just like, I've all of them on a whole. She's the only one that I'm like, maybe. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll give, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Yeah. Venari's cool. Just cause she's like hanging out and saying, don't you tell anybody about me. No. No. <laughs> just like that. Plus I, I like her voice actor. Like that's pretty great. Yeah. 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 Anna. Yeah. Anna from yeah. Overwatch. It is. Man. It is. Cool. I suck at playing Anna, but I like the voice actor. <laughs> Literally any sniper class, any shooter, I'm just like, oh, I mean, I have to like really do this whole aiming thing really well. Mm, not a class for me. I'm not going to play it. It takes a lot of practice. It's, yeah, I have other characters playing Overwatch. Anyways, what have you been up to, dear Jen? <laughs> I don't know. I've been on vacation. I've been uh, sitting at home, enjoying myself. We went to big trees. Um, yeah, we did all that. And oh, man, that was freaking, freaking beautiful. Oh, I just like it looks beautiful. The pictures were great. Yeah, I just like seeing really big trees and hanging out, and, you know, not really doing anything else. Just, uh, yeah, enjoying the fact that uh, we had an 18th wedding anniversary. Oh, yeah, we went to freaking, uh, what was that, Steakhouse? Oh, my God, that place. So good. Mm. <laughs> With every penny. Freaking phenomenal. Um, nice. Yeah, that was well, happy anniversary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks about that. That was good. That was fun. Uh, I like I like that anniversary. We, we always used to... Like, I don't know. It's always funny. The, the, the longer and longer we go, we, we usually try and step it up a little bit. Obviously, last year was kind of a bust, but man, it wasn't our fault. So, <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, this year, though, oh, it was fabulous. So I had a good time. And then uh, uh, what else? So, I, you know, I've actually did get a little bit of time to play some games since I was, you know, away from work. That's vacation. Uh, and then, yeah, then I'm and I mean, I didn't play a ton since, you know, since we last recorded. There's this little thing called 9.1 is coming out. I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm really yeah. excited for 9.1. So it, it, I wouldn't say it like didn't make me want to play. It was just like, eh, I'll save this play time for Tuesday. <laughs> There you go. That makes sense. I get that. Yeah. So the day that this episode drops, everybody, 9.1 will be out. Actually, no. This episode will come out before 9.1 is available because this will release midnight on Tuesday. So true. You give us to to welcome you. We will welcome you to 9.1 as it is fast approaching within hours of this release. We will be heralding this right away. 
Some of you do. <laughs> that, that's true. Some people do. And they're already commenting on Twitter and everything. Yes, we are the heralds of 9.1. Yes, yes. We will be ushering in 9.1 as this releases. <laughs> so, hither to your four, the 9.1 shall be here. And uh, the servers will be down for a moment. Longer than a moment. <laughs> and when they return, 9.1 shall be here. Hopefully you got your AO2C and anything else you were looking for in I know. <laughs> although it's good. It's good. Although there's, apparently there's some weird conflicting reports of, can I get AO2C before July? Blah, 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 whenever the... July 6th. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever that Tuesday is. Uh, which makes sense because July 4th is on a Sunday this year, so I get the 5th off work. Right, so sweet. right. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That's a Tuesday, July 6th. Yeah. So there it is. Yeah. One week and then we're going to be doing some... Uh, well, not not first week. I, if, if the Catalina wine mixer goes in there on normal and kicks crap out of uh, Sylvanas on week one, I'm going to be pressed. Yeah, week one, that's me. Maybe week like I mean, I have, I've only did like a couple of pulls here and there with you guys with all of you. But I feel like week one would be yeah, a lot. Maybe I mean, week two or three. We dabbled in Mythic in 9.0, so our gear is right. real good. Uh, heck, at this point, even mine is. Like, literally the last uh, the last friggin' um, uh, run of uh, Mythic that we did, uh, we actually cleared the, the two bosses and blah, 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 and we did a bunch of trash. Uh, two BOEs dropped for me. <laughs> so, nice! I tried to, I was like, you know, I'm gonna sell them. I'm gonna sell them, but at this point, 9.1 was already announced, and I was like, I ain't gonna spend that money. So I was like, yeah. I'm gonna equip them. So, God, I haven't got to. <laughs> G-Darn. Yeah, you know, Shucky Darns, these, they were both upgrades. So I was like, <laughs> I guess I'm nice. gonna wear these. <laughs> Grats. So, yeah, I think we're uh, we're in a pretty good spot for for the whole, you know, taking down Sylvanas. So, uh, what is this? So, I have a feeling, a strong feeling that when we record next, um, we may have uh, just watched some some uh, cutscenes of what the heck is going to happen with this right. afterwards. So uh, I'm looking forward uh, to that. I'm so excited. So well, anyway, excited. enough of me. What have you been up to, Allie? I have not been playing as much as I would like. Just been super tired with work and whatnot. But when I do play, I've I've been working on my rogue and getting her up. I think she's at 57 now. Been doing ICC runs. And other mount runs here and there and whatnot. And like I said, like last week, last time we recorded, nothing too like exciting, but I'm enjoying my time. We did this past week, a few of us on the right team got together and split into two groups and started working on Twisting Corridors, mm-hmm. which was cool. See, I still like Torghast. <laughs> I will say it's more fun with a friend. I'm sure it is. But I still enjoy, I enjoy Twisting Corridors and, and Torghast in general. So it was fun to kind of get with some friends and do that. And we got through layers two, three and four, I think. Yeah. So I think we're halfway through now. So that was pretty cool. And it was actually a lot of fun. Layers one, two, three, four. How long does it take you to get through a freaking 18 floors of that crap? (laughs) Well, I have no. So if I'm going solo, it takes almost three hours. But that was also before getting geared. Mm. with the raid and stuff. So now that we're all like, we got IROTC, we're pretty well geared. There was a group of three of us, one of the times is a group of four of us, one of the times 
and then another group of three. And it took us maybe an hour and a half, mm. hour and 40, maybe, maybe hour, closer to hour and 45 minutes. Okay. That's for not, layer. It's not terrible. Roughly. Yeah. It's not terrible. It's definitely better once you get more gear and you're with people. Yeah, it's the with people that I would need to do because um, I'll just say it's not the Fury Warrior is bad going by itself, but uh, it's not great either. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. I I enjoy my time in tour gas, but I took two attempts at twisting corridors and basically was like, that's not for me. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, guys. It's, it's not for me. Uh, maybe if I get some buddies together, we can we can do it. But uh, solo. Mm-mm. Not doing it so well. Yeah, I get that. Well, if you ever need a buddy for Torghast or Twisting Corridors, I will totally go. Yeah, maybe on 9-2 or something like that. I'll go back and like raffle stomp it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that'd be fun. Plus, you might need more Soul Ash coming up, you know, 9.1 with all this stuff going on. So Nope. No, I'm good. You're good? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so everyone's like, recreate my legendaries. And I was like, nah, I'm wearing pants. They're fine. I think... <laughs> I need to look at it again. I'm probably actually after we record, I'm going to look at it, but I think I'm good. At least for my holy set. Yeah. I'll have to look at it again, but. Yeah, I uh, I yeah. looked at it and my, <laughs> like there was a big hubbub in the Discord server for the, the raid team. And I was like, what's going on? Do I need to recreate my stuff? And I, I read through everything. I was like, oh, I'm good. So I don't have to do nothing. They're like, yeah, you're, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> so it's. So I'm uh, I'm perfectly happy with whatever his whole recrafty thing is because it doesn't affect me. So yeah, I'm the I'm the one percenter. <laughs> I don't know, like fifty percenter. I'm like the good side of the fifty percent. <laughs> the good side. I'm the good side. All right. Well, did you do anything else besides your? I'm not gonna call masochistic because you had friends, but <laughs> but you're. <laughs> I enjoy Torgas. It's not masochistic. Um. Yeah, that was that was about it. Yeah, it's been a weird couple weeks of not gaming when I could have been gaming because I was just tired from work and and then working on show notes and then doing adulting stuff and whatnot. So damn adulting. That was that was about it. Yeah. (laughs) Stupid adulting. Stupid adulting. We were out so Friday night I would have been playing Overwatch. Speaking of Overwatch, except uh, our internet went out. Because someone downed a cable down the road there and it was out. It, it went out around four o'clock or something like that. And I was getting a tech. I'm, I'm the primary on the council. It's going to tech message updates and it's going to be back at 7.30, 7.36. We'll let you know when it's back up. <laughs> the next thing I know that like, so this morning we wake up and the Wi-Fi is the you know, internet's back. And then I get a text maybe. At like nine, finally, I was like, hey, internet came back at 1.11 a.m. Go us. Like, <laughs> hey. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks. that. So, so instead, my husband and I played some Mario Kart on the Switch. It's Mario yeah, Kart good. 8, which was a lot of fun. It was fun to just kind of chill and hang out with the dogs and just play games and relax. So that was that was nice. Yeah, I love Mario Kart. Freaking awesome. But I am the queen of the power slide or the self-professed queen of the power slide. <laughs> I did some really fancy driving on some of those battles because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy me some uh, some some Mario Kart. No, I'll do the power slide and the 
you know, just sliding through the, I'm like, I'm like in freaking episode of not episode. Like I'm coming from Tokyo drift or some crap like that. I'm going through these turns. <laughs> it's fabulous. Like, brown. Good. yeah, it's pretty great. Although I nearly wanted to throw my controller the other day as I was playing it. Cause I did play some Mario Kart and I was like, cause uh, someone uh, decided to throw a blue shell at me right at the end of the match. And I came in third. I was pissed because I was, I was in first the entire time. There may have been one time where I got a blue shell when I was in fourth and my husband was in first and I waited <laughs> until I got to second place and then used it. That may have happened. And you're still married. It, it might. It may have. Okay. And we're still married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he got some, he got some good ones on me too. It, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Dude, do you want to tell the people what we're drinking? Sure. Fire it all. <laughs> wow, you were prepared. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I thought that was too stupid of a joke. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, we got it, you know, over there on Morley Gray, we got an uh, email, message, uh, some type of message from, from someone suggesting uh, Fireball and Dr. Pepper. And they weren't wrong. It's pretty good. I, uh, it is. I heard about that on the show. I was like, ooh, I do like me some Dr. Pepper. And I do like me some Fireball. I want to have this sometime. And then this week, I was trying to think of what drink we're going to have this week. And I was like, hey, hey, Jen, will, will you try this with me? <laughs> yeah, I kept meaning to. I just, you know, I was like, ooh, this beer looks good. Ooh, this beer looks good. So I kept forgetting to do it. So we're doing it here. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it. It's good. It's good. Yeah, I like it. I actually really like it. It's pretty tasty. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the uh, the ratio should be, like 50-50, or like just a little bit and some Dr. Pepper. I don't know. It's Fireball and Dr. Pepper. I think you just do the ratio however you want to do it. Yeah, mix to your flavor. <laughs> Whatever you want, you know. Mix to taste. There you go. That's what we'll go with. <laughs> yeah, that works. It works. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm... Yeah, there's nothing really to say. It's Fireball and Dr. Pepper. It's really sweet and it's tasty. Um, so uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. It's good. And I'm I'm officially yeah. out of Dr. Pepper in my can. So now I just have a little bit left because it's so tasty. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so tasty. It's so tasty. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, you want to get into this man's storyline that we're yes, going? yes, I do. Uh, it's just button. What you talking about? Well, we're talking about a couple different things today, but for starters, <laughs> on May 25th, Blizzard released the Folk and Fairy Tales Azeroth book, which we talked about a bit last episode. Made a couple of stories out there. Yep. Uh, so we're going to talk about another one. And if you haven't read it yet, this is probably going to be a spoiler. So you're being warned right now. I don't know why you got to do it in front of the kid with the effing. All you got to do is say earmuffs to him. Earmuffs. Yeah, there's going to be nine porn stuff in this one, too. So doubly spoiled. Yeah, <laughs> the double double spoiler warning for the entire episode. Just it's a thing. It's going to happen. Yeah. 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 It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. So the first thing is we're going to go over the story. The Paladin's Beast. This is the, the Uther one. Uther. Yes. So it's not quite as meaty lore wise as the one like, we talked about last time, but this is like beef jerky, not prime rib. I do like beef jerky, though. It's good. It is good. Yeah. 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 
Well, <laughs> this is a tale told to prince and princesses, and it's supposed to be about forgetting and remembering to forget what we think is true and remember what our heart knows is truest. I don't know why that word truest is weird to me. But uh, before we go through this, what are your thoughts on this story? I liked it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, mean, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um, it, was, it was a fun little story. Um, so um, I will um, point out uh, this is uh, so before I say this, I have a question for you, Allie. Are you yes, any good yes. at like word jumbles or like those kind of like uh, like are you are you good at like say Wheel of Fortune? Are you good at that kind of game? Um, de- decent. All right, I suck at those games. Like if, <laughs> like if God I'm actively awful. looking, like like if I know there's a word jumble and I'm actively in the brains of I'm working on this word jumble and I'm gonna fix this word around. Pretty good. Right? Well, okay, I'm decent. Decent. Yeah, I'm terrible. Um, at this. If I'm if I'm reading a story and not looking for it, then I don't catch it until I read a Wowhead article about it, which we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, so <laughs> I'll just say, I completely missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I did too, my first read, so don't feel bad, as did Nick from Torn the Goblin, because Nick and Katie were talking about it, and I was in their Twitch, and I dropped that bomb on them, and, and Nick, n- yeah, Nick reacted. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just say I was uh, I was looking at that and I was like I was like oh anagrams great something I suck at because <laughs> I didn't even go because I I knew it was the saw their names and whatnot and I was just like okay let me see if I can figure it out on my own Mm-mm, I had to go look it up because I was like oh I right. I'm terrible at this well to kind of go over it a bit the first paladins are brought together at the Alonso's, Alonso's Chapel. So we've got Satan Dathran, Trillian, Tyrion Fordring, Gavin Rad the Dyer, and of course, Uther. Basically, the Knights of the Silverhand. It's fine. Those who were trained to be the, you know, branch of the church that fights and stuff. So to become a weapon of the light, a soul must be tested many times before they can truly understand their path. And on this day, these paladins were sent out to accomplish their own tasks to prove their worth and skills to light and whatnot. So while Uther was out and about, there was a huge storm. His mount got spooked and tossed him and he fell into a pool of water. But then it actually pulled him in. Felt like he fell in a puddle. And then he just fell, right? fell through the puddle. Like, that's how, like, when, when I would run it, my brain was imagining a puddle and no big deal. But then he actually, like, got pulled into it and going, like, further and further and mysterious and deep and apparently scalding hot as well. And so it took my brain a second to, like, adjust to what is happening to Uther right now in this moment. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, poor Uther here, he's assuming he's going to die. He thinks he has failed his test. He has failed his paladin brothers. But he, you know, mustered up his strength and swam up and pulled himself out of the water. And that's where he startled three maidens who were bathing. A princess and her two attendants. And he also realized he was in some weird place that he had never seen before. There was frost and snow, but it was not a winter in Lordaeron. He had no idea where he was. Big mystery. And that, that confused me, too. I was like, what What just happened? He's what an, is happening right now? He's in Avalon or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So this princess, her name is Miathris. Who shows how you say that? It's an anagram. Let's just keep going. <laughs> yep. 
So she is the revered daughter of King Gilvan Artenis. Also they invited, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> invited Uther back to her palace in order to you know, dry off and warm up. And she tells him about a tournament that happens every year and knights fight a dragon and they all die. So Uther believes that it's his challenge from the light in order to test his heart and might to enter this tournament and win and make sure no more knights die. There's a feast tonight for the tournament. And there's a bard there singing the song of King Aslan Artenis, which I think is uh, Gilvin's dad or something like that. And uh, another anagram for you there. And <laughs> <laughs> the part of the song was King of Winter, just and bold, cruelly felled by one so cold. Mm, that mm. sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So the first anagram here that I did not know is the first time you read it around. That, uh, that lady chick, the princess, the Meatheris, he rearranged letters in Meatheris. It spells I am Arthas. Yep. That's, yep. That's a thing. I didn't see that my first time around. Me neither. Nick didn't see it. Apparently, Jen didn't see it either. Yeah, it's uh, it, it kind of it adds a little. I mean, there is very much some obvious Arthas parallels and vibes in this, but for them to be just pointed out like, boom, here it is right here. Like, it's just, you know, more obvious now that's Arthas related. Anyways, the tournament came. Uther was the last night to go up against the dragon. Meatheris warning to, you know, not raise his sword against it. And it's going through his head. So he decided to follow his heart and his faith and not kill the dragon. Uther kneeled before the chain, tortured and tired beast. The dragon laid down before him as well, before, you know, limping away. Uther was deemed the winner and given the title Uther the Unbloodied because, you know, he didn't kill the dragon, but he still won. So he goes back to his tent and finds out that the abused dragon was actually the abused Lady Meathras. So she explains why her father treats her so poorly. She disobeyed him, fell in love with someone she wasn't supposed to, blah, blah, blah. Uther tries to get her to come back to Lordaeron to save her. And she says, only you may wake and return freely. After you pass through the waters... This land and all you did here will be little more than a memory. One day, I think it will mean something more to you. And you will see me and the beast and the castle again with perfect clarity. Many years from now, on a broken field blazing like fire, you will think of me and I hope the memory will bring you comfort. Hmm. Yep. Good times. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was worth kind of pointing out when you think about, you know, when Uther dies and whatnot, but we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get that, to that. that's the thing. It's like if you look at the the anagram of turning Meatharis into I am Arthas, and it says many years from now on a broken bl- uh, field blazing like fire. Yeah, kind of. That's just kind of what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. You will think of me, and I hope the memory will bring you comfort. That didn't seem very comforting at the time. I don't think Uther had any comfort in that moment. I mean, maybe he did, and we just don't know. I don't know. But another interesting bit is she put her hand on his chest plate and there was a flash of light and a suggestion of magic where a rune kind of hovered before him for a brief moment before it disappeared. And it just happens to be the same place where he gets stabbed by Frostmourne. Hmm. Yeah. Fun, fun fact that. Yeah. <laughs> that. That's what it sounds like when you get stabbed by a sword, everybody. <laughs> Like a weird Maybe sneeze. Maybe like when it first initially hits like the chest plate. <laughs> weird sneeze. 
<laughs> Uther's dying. Bless you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> right. So going on for more anagrams here. The father's name, the king here, King, king Gilvan Artenis. When you rearrange Gilvan Artenis, it's Living Terranus. And then the song that the bard was singing was about Aslan Artenis, which when you rearrange that, it's Slain Terranus. Yep. Hmm. I never actually quite figured out the difference. Like that Aslan, Gilvan, the Slain. Well, if you go back to that song, right? Right. If you go back to that song, King of Winter, just and bold, Uh is Terranus. Right. Cruelly felled by one so cold, Arthas. Oh, that's so sad. Look at that. That's sad. Yeah. No, it's messed up, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so, it's so very dramatic. <laughs> so random. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so do you have any thoughts so far that you want to share besides the drama? No, it's so much drama. And then there's uh, poems and anagrams and things that I'm just like, hmm, keep neat. But yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll just read this, uh, this little, uh, little quote here uh, from your, your notes. Shout out to Decorus, who was given credit on Wowhead articles for, for the anagrams, because I think he read this like 19 times before anyone actually got their hands on it, because, you know, he lives in the UK and they got him first. So Right, the UK got it first, yeah. Jerks. But uh, so I don't like, and I don't know, like, I don't know if Decorus thought of it first and then reported it. Because I saw a novel mention it too, but I don't know if it was from Jacor's thing, and I don't, I don't know. But either way, it was really neat to see Wowhead give Jacor's credit for it. So definitely shout out to Jacor's. I was like, I know him. Yeah, <laughs> I did Golden Girl trivia with him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. They did that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yep, yep. So. To continue on and finish the story, Uther returns to the pool where he entered from and feeling that mysterious magical brand sizzle in his chest again. He went back through the you know, water you know, gate puddle thing about Bobby, found his horse and the familiar land he had left. By the time he returned to the chapel, he'd already pretty much forgotten what had happened, just like she said he would. He only had a stirring in his heart of peace and kindness that had guided his hand. He knew it was a grand story. Some cool stuff happened. There was grief and you know, maybe a love interest, or I don't know. But he knew in his heart that a good deed was done. And that was enough. You know, they they're like, hey, good job, Uther. He did he did it. The bishop confirmed it. Lights the light was shining stronger than it did before when he left. So the bishop probably was but, like, So what'd you do? Oh well, bro. Uh you, you don't know what you did? Not really. Kind of fell in a pool. I got up. Uh I feel good about like some cool stuff happened somewhere. I think my heart kind of tingles now. Feels good inside. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? You sure you didn't just eat some bad sausage or something? You know, <laughs> heart palpitations. Nah, nah. Right, I just, right. Just fell in a puddle. It's cool. All right. Well, uh, congratulations. Uh, I'm getting some good light <laughs> vibes from you. That falling in a puddle. Uh, yeah, you passed your test. I don't know how that happened, but you did, dude. If Falling in a puddle makes you pass a test of the light, then I have passed so many tests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny when you say it, but I'm now picturing it. It's like, oh, it's gonna sound. <laughs> I'm a klutz. It's fine. 
It's a thing. So the bishop <laughs> noticed that Uther's arm was cracked. Okay. All right, I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> oh, Jin's reaction sometimes just crack me up. Anyways, Uther, uh, yeah, so so the bishop noticed you know, Uther's armor was cracked and said that it was a warning. And Uther realized that the cotton in his breastplate was actually still cold to the touch as if struck by ice. Like, after coming out of the you know, puddle and going back to the chapel, it was still cold. Mm. So, that's something. And again, like I said, same place where Arthas stabs Uther with Frostmourne down the road. So, the book goes on to say, The years passed, and sometimes Uther dreamed of a winter kingdom, silver sword, and spun gold hair. He would not remember more until he came to kneel on a bloodied field that was blazing like fire, ash on the wind and truth in his heart. There, he saw the beast once more. With waking epiphany, he recalled the lady and her warning, but it would be of no comfort to him as his armor cracked again. I knew it. No comfort. <laughs> nope. <laughs> right? This will bring you no comfort. comfort. Guy's about to stab nope. me. A little... No. Mm-mm. <laughs> she, she's like, it'll bring you comfort. He's like, so I got that going for me. <laughs> Which is nice. <laughs> we just talked about Caddyshack. Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any more thoughts before we wrap this little story up? I mean, not really. I just, it was a good story. I thought it was fun. It just felt like, hey guys, you know, we're going to give you a whole bunch of like spooky stuff that could possibly happen one day. And this is real, real scary. And you're not going to remember this. But then suddenly when you're about to die. Right. You're going to be like, you're about to be stabbed in the chest and we're going to give you comfort. And that's when I say that's some crap comfort. But okay. right. <laughs> you're still going to die to someone you trusted. And it's going to be horrible, but there'll be comfort. Yeah. Now I got like that Christmas song stuck in my head. Comfort and joy, comfort and joy or something <laughs> like that. That's totally how that song goes. <laughs> Best rendition ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. So, yeah, going back to this, just to wrap it all up. Remember, this is a bedtime tale told to prince and princesses. Yet Uther couldn't remember himself what happened during his journey. That doesn't add up. So, okay. Right? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hey, prince and princesses, let me tell you a story that didn't happen. But it, but it did. But it didn't, but it did. Feels like maybe something that right. someone made it up after the fact. Like Uther died. Let's go ahead and say that he had this spooky thing that happened to him back in his life. So we're going to tell all about, all the princes princess about it. <laughs> what is what are they going to take away from that? I don't know. I think what they're going to take they're going to take away the fact that uh, um, uh, your life is set in stone and you're going to stabbed in the chest and it's of no comfort to you. Uh, how does this help princes and princesses? I don't know. It's just going to help. <laughs> I think according to the beginning of it, it was supposed to help because it's supposed to be about forgetting and remembering to forget what was true and remember what your heart knows is truest. True. So something about truest. your heart and following your heart. Sounds truest. like something from the void. There's like true and the true. <laughs> true. Thousands of truths. This thousands sounds, of truths. I don't know, man. This sounds like all wacky. <laughs> Like, after, like, really thinking about this, I'm like, what are we getting from this story? Arthur's gets basically a warning that, hey, dude, 
I will see you again, and I'm going to stab you in the chest. I mean, he didn't know that at the time. But then he forgets it all. But then he remembers, like, oh, yeah, I had that weird vision that one time, and some stabbing And in the now chest. it's happening <laughs> in the same place. Yeah, and then, like, me, as a, I'm, just, I'm just like, okay, Jin, Prince Jin, is sitting in his bedtime. He's like, tell me a story, Mommy, Daddy. And they're going to be like, let me tell you a story about this young paladin named Uther. He's like, ooh, this sounds fun. Well, okay. He went down this thing and he fell down this little like puddle. And, like he fell in a puddle. So yeah, he fell in a puddle and he transformed him to he went to Avalon. <laughs> oh, Avalon! Oh, that sounds cool. So yeah, uh, but then he got this vision of someone stabbing him. Kind of not really, but he's like he's t- chest tingles, chest tingles. Yeah, 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 just go with it. He's chesty tingles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then you know we came back. Totally didn't remember it. He didn't remember it. Seems like something he would totally remember. Just go with it. He didn't remember. Uh, but when it suddenly happened, he totally remembered it, and, and, and there was no comfort, even though they said it would be comfort. And then I'd just be like, Mom, Dad, you suck at telling stories. What's going on here? <laughs> I, don't know basically, the, basically. I don't know what the moral of this story is. It was a fun story. Like, I'm like, no bad. I'm just like, if you're trying to like instill a lesson on me, I don't know what that lesson is. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's yeah. a good story, though. Basically. It was fun. And just apparently fun. some people didn't learn, because if you think about it, there's a good chance that Arthas heard that story when he was a young prince. That, yeah, that's okay. Which is a little awkward uh, and <laughs> pro- prophecy about his own fate. It just, it's, I don't know, it's kind of awkward. Yeah, when you think about you it think that about way, it. if you're like, you're like uh, and also the fact that there's also like, you know, slain and living Terranus freaking anagrams or whatever, or Menethil, I don't know. It's like, hey guys. <laughs> We're going to tell you a story about me being dead. <laughs> right. Mm, yeah, if this was a story that was told to Arthas, that's weird, yo. Yeah, right? Weird. It's very weird. Yeah. It's fun, though. I, mean, I, I like it. Like it's- Yeah, like it, it was definitely a fun read and definitely worth it. But it, it's, it was interesting to see the parallels between what Uther experienced in this versus... What he experiences with Arthas and, you know, being stabbed and whatnot. <laughs> stabbed. <laughs> you know, like you do. <laughs> Killing Terranus, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a thing. Yeah, it just, it, it happens. Well, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next little bits. There's lots of great stories in this. I know myself personally... I really love Stone Moss of Tears for so many reasons. Uh, I have my own tears with it. Great. Uh, the Embrace is definitely worth mentioning because it was it was pretty great. It's all about the love of the White Lady, you know, the moon and her love for Azeroth and Stenizens and her desire for closeness and companionship. And out of her love for the people, she had a child, the, the blue child, that's the smaller moon we see. Well, we saw it for a bit like in classic, like in vanilla back in the day. And then, and then it went away and then it came back from Miss Pandaria. And there's a reason for that. You get to actually read about it in this story, which is really cool. And when the moon, you know, cycles around, it's tied to the moon lady's sorrow. White, the moon lady. The moon lady. The, the moon white lady's lady. sorrow. <laughs> and the embrace is basically the the eclipse. You know, when the white lady and, and the blue moon, the blue child, when, when <coughs> they're back together and you, you named it the hug. So I'm like air hugging a bunch of times. Um, so that's the embrace. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, 
You remember the uh, McDonald's mascot, the Moon Man? Okay, right? Yeah, vaguely. Right. Well, now I'm picturing the the Moon Lady. It's just the Moon Man with a wig and lipstick. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. All right. That's what. Sure. Yep. The Moon Lady. Yep. It's the new McDonald's. This is. <laughs> this, just go with it, folks. This is literally from like from the like late '80s, early '90s. So just. Before, before some of your times, possibly. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> right. But it's it's definitely interesting to read. It's a nice bit of elven lore. And it's hard to not try to figure out if there's, you know, tides, tides or like if it like alludes to a loon because, you know, a loon and the moon and whatnot. So it was, mm-hmm. it's interesting to read it and kind of try to see if you can decipher more about a loon through reading it. But we, I mean, there isn't really anything else to decipher or necessarily discuss in this one. I agree. Uh, sorry, I sent you a picture of the moon man. <laughs> <laughs> is that why my Discord just went off? Here I am, like, being, being a good, good host and not to... Oh, that moon man, that's right. Yeah, it's the moon man. Oh, gosh, that, that, that image. Ooh. <laughs> since, since none of you are in our private DM... Uh, I'll post this on Twitter after this episode comes out so yeah. you all can see what we're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's the moon, it's the moon man. Right. <laughs> no, this is Moon Lee. It's, yeah, this is Moon Lee. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a... I don't know. I, I like this. Um, I think what was particularly interesting about this one, you compare it to the other story that we did last week. Um, the Yes, you know, with Anchi and Mushu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the one about the Earth Mother and all that, and how the Earth Mother gave birth to the, to the, uh, Mushu, Musha, whatever, uh, the, the moon, all right, uh, yeah. gave birth to the moon, blabity, 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 uh, that was pretty sweet, uh, and this one just basically was like, there might be some hints of some truth here, where it's like, this could have happened, possibly, just like, could have happened some sort of way, but for the most part, this is like, a myth, if you will, because, right. I mean, to be honest, it's like we we all kind of know, and the lore enthusiasts who've read through Chronicle, like I'm sure everyone who's listening to this has, we know that night elves originally uh, came from the dark trolls, right? We talked to right. a night elf about that. They'd say, no, we didn't. <laughs> 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 so, you know, it's, you know, it seems to me like it's one of those stories. But again, yeah, very good yeah. story, but uh, very contradictory to the, to the very first one, so... Um, you know, if you're a Tauren, you think one way. If you're a Night Elf, you think another way. And it totally, totally makes sense that this is, these are the stories that the, you know, these different cultures would be telling. But, again, very contradictory. <laughs> right. But, yeah, it's good. It's good. And another good one, talking about moon men and moon ladies and whatnot, is <laughs> uh, Visage Day, because that's the best transition ever. Uh, so we're not going to dive too much into this one, but it is a fantastic story. It finally puts to rest the questions about Chromie that many already pretty much assumed about her. And we just want to give an honorable mention to it and suggest you read it. Everyone already kind of, at least in the lore community, already pretty much knew these things about Chromie. But I thought it was really cool to hear how Chromie got from point A to point B mm-hmm. and picking the gnome as, you know, how to present herself and whatnot. So I just it was it was great. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a really good story because, um, 
like, I think I randomly wrote this somewhere. I don't know, but it was like, I know for a fact I wrote this on Twitter, especially when the trolls were out in force for a little bit because they're like, you know, being stupid like trolls do. Um, and I was like, wait, this was even a debate? Like, I've known this since like 2010. Like, what's going on? Right. Yeah, like there was one moment where I was like, wait, but if that's the real dragon name, that's a male sounding name, but Chromie's clearly female. And then I just kind of assumed the rest. I was like, all right, good for her. She's doing her thing. I'm super proud of her. She's, you know, going with how she feels and that's great. Yeah. And I I think what I like the best is in the story where Chromie just said, it suits me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Makes sense. And so there you go. That's who she is. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty well done and it was, it's good to, you know, Blizzard's taking these, I mean, it's overdue, but they're taking these steps (laughs) to be more inclusive and have more representation, which I think is really important. Yeah. And and I do not laugh at uh, the adding diversity and inclusion. I think it's a fantastic thing. I laugh at the overdue thing because I remember some of what Sylvanas' original outfits used to look like. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And sometimes I'm just like, grow up, Blizzard. Grow up. (laughs) So, it's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing. There's a lot of things in this episode, guys. And gals and non-binary pals, as Toasty likes to say. Um, So, since... This is pretty much where we're going to wrap up Folk and Fairy Tales. Uh, lots of great stories in there. Some are good lore diving ones. Some are just enjoyable to read. Did you have a favorite story? Uh, my favorite story is actually the um, the Volpira. Yeah, that one was awesome. <laughs> that that one's, that was actually like really, it was really creepy. And just really like the, the, the twist at the end and everything. Mm, that, that was actually really cool. Yeah, so that one is probably my favorite. Uh, obviously, in terms of lore bits, currently, like right now, like I'm really like, obviously, I kind of geeked out quite a bit on the, um, you know, the always is another word for sisters. Sisters is another word for always. Sister, yeah, that was so that was for lore, lore wise. That was definitely my favorite. Yeah. But in terms of, well, I'll put it this way. In terms of uh, standing the test of time, I think um so yeah, the Volpira one will actually be much better because eventually we'll know it all went down with Sylvanas. We'll know all true, true. Like after we read like the Sylvanas novel that comes out in February, I feel like that one was gonna be like, yeah, it was a good story. Theresa did the thing, but then the Volpira, the Volpira is always wonderful. That was always gonna be great. So yeah, I, I give it up yeah. to the Volpira one. Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite. Yeah, that definitely that one's my favorite for Laura for sure. And then like I mentioned earlier, Stomas and Tears. I, it's another you know great story you know of of some representation with Blizzard and stuff which is really good, but it, what hit me was that this moment where she you know she's going to this uh, alchemist dude who you know makes potions or whatever and she she wants a potion to help her basically have more confidence and you know see what others see for her and that kind of thing and my so many emotions <laughs> I had so many emotions and because I, I would like that in my real life. And just to see how it all came together. And I don't want to go into it in case you haven't read it yet, but it was so good. It was just, it was one of those like feel good heart stories for me. And yeah, yeah, it was good. Well, I think this is a good place to jump into part two. Yes. <laughs> so our other discussion, because as we know in our intro, sometimes we like to talk about topics one or two 
at a time. We can't contain ourselves because this right? is, is very cool. Originally, originally this episode was all going to be, you know, folk and fairy tale stuff. And then last minute, Blizzard's like, here's some info. And then I'm like, well, guess I'm going to add these to the show notes now. <laughs> uh, which works out because these actually lend themselves more to conversation and whatnot. So it's uh, it's good. It's good. So this this is some 9.1 info. So again, spoilers. Uh, in the form of some notes that PTR testers found within Tazavesh, the Veiled Market, a.k.a. the Mega <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Playing charades with that one. <laughs> he does. He's got hand motions and everything. Uh, these were too good to skip talking about. Super excited. Again, spoilers. So if you don't want 9.1 spoilers, turn this off. These notes are a series of expedition reports mostly written by Al-Farim, a broker that has been labeled as a heretic and a mad scribe by his own cartel, which is Cartel Al, or, you know, Al, whatever. So Al-Farim. We're going Cartel Al. Al, yeah. Al. Oops. Al. Peg, you're not allowed to Al. Al. <laughs> Al-Farim, that was so random. Al-Farim wants to access the sepulcher of the first ones as well as determine the origins of the known universe. Mm-hmm. As we all do. We all want to know this. Um, and um, so before we continue on, I see you do have it in the notes. Fantastic. Um, but did you know, before you read it in the Wowhead article, that sepulchre meant tomb? I did, because it was actually really bothering me. Like, first off, like, when, when Shadowlands first came around, like, that is a word I honestly don't know. And so when Shadowlands first dropped, I actually Googled the definition of it because it's been used actually a few times in this expansion. I'm like, oh, it's a tomb, like a burial tomb, like a, yeah. yeah Usually like a was, stone room or cave or a little burial place. I When I read that, I was like, oh, okay, so that's all that means. And then I was like, did you guys just get out of the Thorth or something? The Thorth? <laughs> And just start flipping through because we need another word for tomb in our thesaurus here. And thesaurus, thesaurus, that's how how we'll pronounce it today. (laughs) (laughs) Words are hard. Uh, I don't know. Just I was just like, that's a freaking fancy ass word for tomb. Couldn't we just go for a hole in the ground where the first ones are buried? (laughs) I guess, which the thought of them like not being alive is like a whole other note. Like, yeah, that was another thing. I was like, oh. right, because the tight the Titans are still, you know, well, they kind they of sort died, of maybe. I they don't know. Back and I don't know. I still don't know what happened in that Argus raid. Right, right, and then sepulcher of the first ones. Like, so is he looking for the tomb of the first ones? Like, did they die forever ago or something? Like, so we learn a bit about Alpharim in these notes, including. That he has a rival who is theorized in the community to either be Venari or the final boss in Tazavesh or his replacement within the cartel because the cartel basically was done with him as he's a heretic and a mad scribe. The heretic. Right. But he's he's really upset about this rival. He, you'll read about it in the in the notes there. But we also find out that this cartel has quote unquote operatives in Oribos. Yeah. And maybe that's another reason why we shouldn't trust the brokers. Yeah, that's where the joke came from, uh, folks, because uh, 
you remember the very beginning of the episode where Jen don't trust the brokers. I read this and was like, I don't trust the brokers. <laughs> that's exactly what he said to me in a DM. So I'm like, all right, that's going to be his thing for an intro. It's good. It's good. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. A it. lot of people have been already saying that uh, I don't trust the brokers. And I was like, why? Now I don't trust the brokers. <laughs> right. I, see, I think there's the word operatives. Like, was that what your trigger? Like, that made you think, like, if they're calling them operatives... Basically, the fact that they're like working Oribos, like they're up in Oribos for reasons. And I'm just like, ow. Right. Well, all right then. Yeah, yeah. So this particular cartel's mission is to, and I don't know if it's the mission of other cartels. I haven't really looked at it, to be completely honest. But Cartel Al, their mission is to follow the path of the first ones, as well as secure the first one's secrets. As it turns out, we actually may learn a little bit about those secrets within these expedition notes. Now, I'm not going to read them all. There's a lot of it and we'd be here for a while. It'd be boring. So I just kind of pulled out some key points for us to kind of go through and talk about and see what we can learn. So in part one, we get, you know, basically the beginnings. Light and shadow go boom. Fractured segments spread out in the great dark beyond. Great powers took shape. Six forces, possibly seven. But the seventh, as you know, Alpharim here is saying, Maybe an artifact of the geometry, a fractal, which we'll put put a pin in that. Uh, so there's some opposition. Op, op, opposition. Wow. Opposition. Opposition. <laughs> yep. There's some opposition. <laughs> Thesaurus and other really such words that. that we do not know how to pronounce. <laughs> sepulchre. We're in really silly moves tonight. I don't know why. Hey, sepulchre is right. I Googled it, man. Googled it. So, <laughs> um, da, 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 there was opposition between these forces, but they, they came together and gave form to their design. A pattern was drawn. Each architect, so I'm going to highlight this one a bit. Each architect gave a portion of themselves for forming these forces. Framework was put into place as, as we already kind of know it, but reality as we know it is at the intersection of, of those forces. And then that seventh fractal, quote unquote fractal, is outside the pattern possibly, as Alfram is thinking. Now, for that seventh fractal, some in, in the community and whatnot think that the first ones are that seventh fractal or, you know, seventh force, if you will. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Alfram thinks that the seventh force, that you know, fractal, organized these other six forces. Maybe. Maybe. So Steve Denuser said in an interview back in February that clearly they were there. They were these very mysterious and powerful beings. You know, speaking of the first ones that architected the very framework of the universe of which the Titans, the Pantheon of death, pantheons of all these different influences are like the next layer down from those first ones. Those another word that I don't know. I didn't look at pro- progenitors. Progenitors. Yeah, that's sure. Okay. It basically came before the universe, almost. Yeah. Using fancy words up in here. Uh, the progenitors of the universe. <laughs> as, go- as I'm pretty sure Jen's Googling it right now. A person or thing from which a person, animal, or plant is descended or originates. An ancestor or parent. There you go. Well, there, there, we the go. there we go. Progenitors. Progenitors, parent. Makes sense. Um, see? Learning things here on Live, Laugh, Floor. Yeah. Glad you're here. We're mm-hmm. learning together. Me and my thesaurus. <laughs> so <laughs> what what are your thoughts so far? I've been talking for a bit. Let's let, lay it out for me. What are you thinking so far? 
So far, my thing is the first one's being the seventh fractal or the force. I think that reality is the seventh. You know, as we, we kind of went through this when we were talking about right? the closed loop system, yep, yep. the closed looped system, right? Uh, and you got all the forces and then you get the kind of reality with the intersection of the Shadowlands, the Emerald Dream, kind of all right there in, in the center. Uh, I feel like that's the seventh force. Um, and because I think we're... We'll get, I'm sure we'll get to this later, but I think it kind of talked about in one of these where it was basically, and I liked the analogy or the analogizing of where it basically said that they set up the framework, the the basics of, it's like, okay, we've, we've built a universe. Here's the universe. Beep, 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 beep. And then reality was the molds that grew upon it. <laughs> yeah, the fungus. It's like yeah, there fungus. you go. Fungus, yeah. yeah fungus, yeah. And I think that's, I mean, in many ways where it's like, if we can, you know, make our little jokes about, you know, time not being in a construct of death. Well, you know, it's like a lot of, you know, people talk about how like time is the fourth dimension, right? You know, thinking right. back, back to the future. You're not thinking fourth dimensionally, man. <laughs> You're gonna. <laughs> I just watched those movies again. It was great. Um, anyway, uh, I think the, the seventh force is the reality at which all of these different forces are kind of like and i, and I believe it is like in, in a later one it even talks about how they're even starting to think that that this is it it's a uh, reality is the nexus of which all of these powers right. can come together see i can see that because for me when i first read this it sounded to me like okay light shall go boom fractured segments you know spread out great dark beyond these great powers took shape and to me, it felt like within, you know, the, the forces, there were the higher beings who were the ones to form the design of the forces. And I assumed that those were the first ones, that the first ones were the ones to frame each, you know, like one f- first one per force, for example. But that the sure. first ones were the ones to, to form the forces, the cosmology forces, and that they weren't... They, they were just there and above it all because they were the architects. So they the wouldn't progenitors. be that, right, the progenitors. <laughs> and so we learned something new today. And so they wouldn't be that seventh fractal or that seventh force, if you will. So that that's what I was thinking as I read this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But I, I like your thought about reality, um, you know, the mortal plane, whatever, being that seventh force. That actually makes a lot of sense considering some of these other things we get to in a little bit, too. Yeah, so let's get into those before we really yeah, dive into yeah. it. Because there's so, like, I guess my my one thought is that this the way they laid this out was actually really fun when you read through it because it's very much the the person who is the character NPC whatever that it was uh, the, the uh, viewpoint vantage point of as they're writing it. Their thoughts were evolving as they were going through. Yeah. we're only in part one, so that's why I say let's go ahead and keep going because they're stuff is going to change as we get through it because um, there's even a part in I believe part number somewhere uh, where, where they, they were like they were convinced that were the only reason and, and I it makes so much sense if you put yourself into the mindset of someone who has always been like if you are a an entity a being uh, some type of I'm not going to call it a life form but a something that that is a a denizen of the shadowlands and you've always been someone existing there especially in the the shoes of shoes of a broker right if you were you know 
you try and, you know, imagine what that would be like if you were thinking thinking of, of trying to figure out. Much like the dwarves. This is why it's cool to me. I like the dwarves, how they're always trying to figure out, like, where'd we come from? I want to, like, understand the, the origins of everything, whether, you know, brand and all that kind of stuff. And I think the, the, the brokers, well, you can't trust them. They're kind of doing the same thing um, in the Shadowlands kind of thing. And right. what I found, like, super fascinating, and it absolutely made sense, um, if you even look at kind of like human history where they're like, oh, well, this is how this works. Totally wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> where they were like, oh, well, the mortal plane was created by the first ones to feed us anima. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> and then that's when the later the brokers are like, maybe that's not the case. <laughs> right. Which we'll, we'll get to that. That's part three. Part three. Yeah. So part two, that's when Alpharem starts doing his, some of his research. So I think it's when he starts kind of changing his mindset a little bit. He includes some research in the Kyrian archives of records and memories of the mortal realms that, you know, people would be sent to Bastion and they you know, get all their memories and stuff taken away. And they store the memories for some reason, which I still don't understand. Well, he, he went there to go look at those memories and whatnot to learn things. And they said no. Until they kicked... Right? Yeah, they kicked him out. And then he also went to the sepulchre of knowledge, which again, so is knowledge, is burial, burial tomb of knowledge, is knowledge buried there? I guess. I mean, why, why, why are, why are they using this word sepulchre like so many times? Uh, so many times. And, and also this, since this is in Maldraxxus, I'll just have to say as the, <coughs> the current uh, Necrolord. Right, say, right. Uh, I wasn't there when they made this decision. I don't know why they're burying their knowledge. That doesn't make it good. good. I mean, is this, are we, it's just like, oh, it's the realm of death. We use sepulchre for everything to describe where we keep things. <laughs> like, right. We just call it a library. Like, I'm just sticking it over there. It's, yeah, basically a library. But it was funny because he, so he's in the, you know, the Necklord library and he wanted to get to the secret you know, the secret books that the more, the special VIP books. And like, no, no, that's, that's just for the primus. You can't, your access is denied. Get out of here. Basically. <laughs> it's like a Jurassic park. Uh, uh, uh. You didn't say the magic word. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, so good. So, <laughs> but he did at least get some research done. So he kind of started realizing some things and, you know, he left Maldraxxus and went back to Orbos. And that's where we get part three. So in part three, Alpharim meets a transcendent soul named Eric Two, who talked about thousands truths, a thousand truths, which I was like, wait, what, what? <laughs> like, so I, I'm trying to remember, was there an actual old gun line that talked about a thousand truths? Because uh, I know like Yogg is supposed to have like a thousand maws or something like that. And I, I tried to, I tried to do like a quick, quick and dirty search and I didn't find a thousand truths, but I could have swore that maybe something in the, in the, the preamble, the pre, no, the prelude. Oh, I mean, there's a that sort of, that's where they talked about, well, yeah, a, my first search was that sort of truths. Truths. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing that came up. It's like, oh, how do you kill that which has no life? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yep, that was definitely my start for. But I thought there was maybe something in the the, the prelude, the the, the dreadlords and stuff. They talked about the old gods doing a thousand truths. 
it's very much or a thousand pass or thousand. They use thousand a lot in this game. I don't. I don't know. Anyways, um, Eric Two here uh, also explains that the living do not trade in anima. You know, like they do in the Shadowlands, obviously. And that fact absolutely shocked Alpharim. To me, the, the, the reaction was the same way if you told a goblin gold. Like, wait, I don't. What? And right. They would have been just like, you know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, uh, of of Rizhak. When he went to the Shadowlands, he was like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all got their own currencies that I'm um, coming up short here. <laughs> yep. So uh, he found that, and this is a quote from the notes here. Mortal souls believed in a myriad of myths that spoke of false gods. While we basked in the splendor of beings with true might. We were blessed in the presence of the Arbiter, the Archon, the Winter Queen, the Sire, and the Primus. So I, I, I bring that up because, you know, it talked about a myriad of myths. And we just learned in Falcon Fairy Tale some of the myths. We learned about the the Torah myths of, you know, Anshi and Mush, Mush, Mushu, whatever they named the moon. <laughs> that just makes me think of Chinese food. And so it, it throws me off. It's like, is that right? Actually, is it Mushu? Anyways. Reminds me um, of <laughs> Right. Yeah. That too. Um, and then we, you know, talked briefly about the embrace where we learn about, you know, night elves and what they think of the moon. But you can kind of see some intersect there a little bit with the two stories. And so you know, the myriad of myths. Um, I just thought that was that was really interesting. But really what I find the most interesting here is why was this broker so surprised that in the mortal realms we don't trade an anima. Like I hear, I was thinking that the brokers were all special and, and stuff because they knew how much they know about the universe and they know, you know, so much stuff and they're so, you know, well-traveled and getting all these artifacts and stuff. How did they, why was this a surprise? Cause he was super surprised. I think the main reason it's a surprise is because anima to them is like oxygen to human beings or like food right. if you don't have it. Um, to them, it's like it's it's everything. It, it's what keeps us going. It's what keep. I mean, you, you saw the the anima drought. You know, when you, you know, Aralon. I mean, you know, touchy subject, but we're gonna say it anyways. Uh, when he was like, like, oh man, this drought's real bad. Ardenweald will fall uh, if we. I mean, that's what happens when you have a lack of anima. Like things start falling apart, and it gets really, really bad. So a broker that's like, oh, you don't, you don't trade in an anima. It's like, it's like if if we somehow had a, you know, in Spaceballs, the can of air, right? It's, it's like <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's to me where it's like, ah, oh, that's that's some good Druish there. <laughs> well, see, and I, I get that aspect of it. Like, that's, that's a given. I just, I guess I assumed that the brokers knew a lot of things and that they already knew that the I think mortals they know. don't I trade animals. I think the animal. brokers... And, and I think that's one of the big things that sometimes is, is, is hard to wrap our heads around it, is if something is truly infinite, like they say there are infinite realms of the Shadowlands, the brokers could go their entire existence studying and studying and never know the true yeah, vastness true. of the Shadowlands, even yeah. though they would know an ungodly amount of information about the Shadowlands. Um and that would mean that they wouldn't actually know that much about what's going on in the mortal realms because they've just been studying what's going on in the Shadowlands. So that's where 
maybe there's a little bit of a disconnect. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It, that kind of leads us to, to, to a little bit where, uh, and I don't remember where this was from. No, I do know where this is from. This was from one of the leaked pages from uh, the Grimora of the Shadowlands. Right. Coming where, up soon. So yeah, soon. Very soon. Uh, where they basically, what did they say? Uh, they didn't even know where Orbos was forever. Like they, like the brokers didn't even know where Orbos was. And Orbos was like this big thing. It's the internal city. Right. And then they finally found it. I mean, and so if they didn't even know where Orbos was, you know, the great and mighty, you know, airport terminal <laughs> of the Shadowlands. Right. <laughs> then, I mean, these guys may, they may know a lot, but clearly they don't know everything. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't consider that. Well, the book's not even out yet, so. Well, yeah. <laughs> just the rest with why the broker was so shocked. So it just, it baffled me. I was shocked that he was shocked. I was so surprised. Were you surprised? I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any more thoughts about this part before we move on? No, I want to get to part four. Part four is awesome. Okay. Part four. So in part four, part four, which we actually just got today from, you know, PTR notes and whatnot. Alfram starts to actually perceive that, quote, the pattern and its fractals, not as one truth, but layers of intersecting truths. Multiples. Multiples. <laughs> so the brokers, from the moment of their consciousness, like when they're first, you know, conscious of things, they know that death is the foundation of all existence. Kind of, kind of true. Yeah. So he realizes that there, the six fractals, you know, the, the forces, the cosmology forces, may be, quote, embodied by a host of transcendent beings as powerful as our own eternal ones. Hmm. Mm, maybe embodied by... So I think we've already got this a little bit confirmed, and we talked about this a little bit in our, uh, you know, the, the episode where we went over the, the a lot of the Alun stuff, like where we went to right. the, the Alun. Uh, because in that one, they speculated in the Grimora that there are the the pantheon of life and that Elune is somehow tied to the pantheon of life. So this is basically saying that they're speculating that there is a pantheon for every force. Yep. Which that's what I took it as. We're aware of definitely two order and death and pretty dang sure of a third. We just haven't interacted with, with them yet. But I mean, obviously if Elune truly is a member of that pantheon of life, like we're thinking, then there you go. Then we're definitely aware of three. Yeah, when, once we got, you know, we have the times, we've had the times for quite a while. Once we have the Pantheon of Death, I did start wondering if each of the forces have their own Pantheons in some shape or form. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, it, you got to start wondering, it's like, have we kind of already interacted with some of them? Like, are the Naru, like, at least Zira kind of tied into right, the, a the higher, Pantheon of Light? The, the prime Narus and whatnot, maybe. Hmm? I don't know. It yeah. would be yeah. interesting to see. Especially if it would, it would be really interesting to know if Illidan could kill someone that was a member of the Pantheon of Light. <laughs> That's funny. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so maybe it's not a Naru. Maybe it's something with higher order. But maybe. I don't know. Well, well, we'll look at that in a little bit too. But uh, I thought that was really it was interesting to see. It seems like it's kind of maybe being confirmed that there's other Pantheons. Maybe. Remember? But we. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, talks about the layers of intersecting truths again, kind of like with the uh, part three when it talks about the different myths 
mm-hmm. know, so there's, there could be some intersecting truths represented by different mythos about the moon and whatnot, just as an example, uh, which I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and I kind of want to know more about like, who the heck is this Eric too? Because if they start talking about like, like going back to part three, we're talking about how they were talking to a mortal and the thousand truths. I mean, anything that has multiple truths to go along with it usually is very void lordy. So I'm like yeah. scratching my head. Like, are you like a member of the Twilight's Hammer? Like, are you, are you doing like Twilight Hammer culty stuff? <laughs> did you? <laughs> I don't, I don't think wait, wait, wait. so. Unless they did you not cleanse the eyeball off of your head? Is that what's going on? <laughs> I still have my eyeball. Thank you very much. But uh, in in that part, it talks about Eric too being from a planet that had a long name that Alfred couldn't even pronounce and didn't even bother to write down or something like oh, that. Oh, is this the, like the, the creepy buggy thing? With like, yeah, that's Eric too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which the creepy, creepy buggy. buggy thing immediately also sounds slightly, you know, Iraqi related or Akir related. Mm-hmm. But that can also be on other planets. But they got they got sorted into like a, a hive of. Well, you like, also have to remember that thingies. Sargeras apparently chippy chopped a planet that was infested by old gods, so it's not like true. they wouldn't exist on other planets. So, yeah, that's very true. Maybe this Enraki or Akir possible insecto being could yeah, be old, old god, god related. Bug. I mean, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of the uh, the mantid. Really, is how yeah. they're like. You know, the mantid were like, <laughs> talking about how awesome they're like, like that. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, they were like, hey, Wakener, you're amazing. But if uh, Old God shows up, we're on Team Old God, not Team Wakener. So, yeah, yeah. Sorry about much. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, we're over a boss now. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Feels very Old Gaddy to me or and or Void Lord. Since we're Something. getting into these like cosmic forces. It's it's exciting. Do you have any other thoughts about part four? Uh honestly, for me, I mean the different the different fractals of truth and the layers of intersecting truths and things like that, where it's like, okay, so I, I guess where I'm really interested in this is I wanna know what the um this new vantage point of the, um, uh, you know, the, the cosmology forces are uh, that's supposedly coming in, you know, uh, two weeks. The Shadowlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roughly. Two, two-ish weeks. Yeah-ish. Uh, yeah, supposed to be on uh, July 14th. So, uh, what's that? So, we go there. One, two, two. As, as, as we are recording right now, two weeks and four days. So, yeah, super excited. Uh, right, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be some some episodes right there. That's, that's going to be freaking. Oh, absolutely. Blow my mind and things. And OK, I'll just. That's do what it. she said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, because you had this very long, awkward pause and I just I had it by my tongue. <laughs> I know. Glad you use that bumper. That's good. Yeah, I, I saw your face. I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I was like, I'll do it for you. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Right. So uh, I don't know that. I'm definitely very interested to know more because it feels like when he keeps talking about the different fractals and the different, the, the seventh, the seventh force, uh, that very much feels like reality and, and where it talks about how. Yeah, that's what I think. The, the, the nexus of all the different forces that are coming together. And it makes sense because, I mean, if you look at the, at the, 
the Titan uh, centered one in, in a chronicle. I mean, it's kind of the same thing where reality is smack dab in the middle and everything is kind of bleeding into it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we also kind of go back to our little crazy, insane, you know, speculations that we went over where we also had the closed loop system and we also had the possible, you know, domination runes that are all right. Thing. And it's just yeah. like, how does this all tie together? I cannot wait to find out more. So, uh, so all you Twitter people that are like, oh, like it when Mazeroth is like this. Like, shut up. Give me more of this. I, I like this stuff. <laughs> Don't just give me kobolds and candles. I want crazy cosmic forces that I can uh, scratch my head about. So there you go. That's what I'm excited for. And that's Yes. It. And that's so it. So we, we have a little bit more that we get into, I'm assuming. A few fights. Yes. Yes. So it literally says at the end of uh, part four, Alpharim has actual questions listed for the reader of said notes. And so I thought we'd just go over the questions, because why not? Absolutely. So the first, yeah, yeah. So the first one says, what if, again, this is purely speculative, the mortal plane is not some distant corner of reality that the first one's created to supply us with souls and anima. Yeah, I like this one, because like I was kind of already alluding to, and when I read through this, I was like, I can absolutely see. I mean, it's like freaking, you know, if you go back to the, uh, you know, prior to the Copernicus, you know, model of the universe and all that, where right. it's, <laughs> it's like the sun spins around the earth. That totally makes sense. Obviously. <laughs> right. It's, you know, it's stupid things like that, where it's like the reality is just to feed us anima. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if anyone questions it, they're apparently branded a heretic like this. One of these, uh, I don't think the author of this, but the author that was talking about the previous author that, you know, you know that one? Yeah. 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 So, heretic. <laughs> yeah. The mad scribe. Yeah. So, I, th- I mean, I think this shows us that there are, some, and I guarantee Alfred's not the only one who thinks that everything in the universe is centered on death. Yeah. It's all and, about and I mean, death. Just like if you're living on Earth, you think everything revolves around you. Right? Yeah. And if you're living in the Shadowlands, you think everything revolves around the Shadowlands. So, and I think this, I, I just like the way that they wrote this. And, and this is they're really cool because it totally makes sense <laughs> like that someone would be thinking this uh, because they don't have the bigger picture. Just like in, in many ways, we still don't have the bigger picture in, in reality. So why wouldn't they have the bigger picture in this silly little fantasy land with, you know, first ones and titans and old gods and void lords? And, you know, it's complicated. So... Yeah. I mean, just like when we started Shadowlands, you know, we'd find different ghosts that we'd interact with in NPCs and whatnot who came from, you know, this, this is their, you know, they're dead and whatnot. And I found myself trying to figure out who they are from Azeroth because we're used to this game being so Azeroth and Azerothian focused that it, it expanded the universe to me and made me remember, like, it really isn't all about Azeroth. There's a much bigger universe out there. And, you know, it's like that. It's not all about Azeroth, even though it has been for quite a while now. Right. So just as a a side note, if you do look at the cosmology chart, which I'm literally staring at right now, it does not say Azeroth. It says reality. Exactly. (laughs) We're learning. Yeah. So uh, you would think that they're like, oh, reality, that's just the guys are off in Draenor, and Draenor's kind of ripped to pieces right now, and that's actually more living in the Twisting Nether, so no, there's all sorts of different things in reality, just yeah, like uh, exactly. 
just like this. I mean, it's one of those things where I like to, to make jokes and say little things like, why doesn't, you know, Sargeras just chippy chop all the planets if he wants to, you know, end all life? Well, you, you can easily explain it as like, okay, well, space is really big. You can't walk across the universe. Uh, and yeah. if you feel like there's a deadline, you need to like start, you know, opening up wormholes or something like that. And uh, it's very difficult to open up a wormhole for Mr. Sargeras. So uh, he's either going to walk across the universe or he will uh, need to find more wells of eternity to <laughs> rip himself through. <laughs> right. So, yeah, fun things like that. Yes. Okay. Yes. So speaking of the cosmology chart ties into Alfram's next question is what if it is the very nexus of existence where death is but one of many great powers that holds sway? <laughs> so is this why reality was put into the center of the cosmology chart by the Titans? I think so. I mean, as maybe reality is that nexus of existence, at least in the minds of the Titans. And I think one of the things that we will be learning about in one and or two expansions possibly is, okay, we like to talk about how, you know, go back to episode one of Morally Gray, where we talked about how Titans were originally these world souls and things like that. Right. But if there is a realm of order, why would Titans be born from planets in reality? So right. maybe we're going to get a little bit of information there too, because... You know, if the Titans put reality at the center of the cosmology chart, you could kind of see why. They were born in reality, at least according to what we've got in Chronicle. Uh, there may be, again, some type of first one shenanigan, higher order kind of thing going on there. Right. And yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's definitely interesting. It's, it's worth thinking about because obviously we got, I mean, you got your, you, you can, yeah, an easy one is going to be your, your power of, of you know, the power of life. Not everything is centered around death. I mean, you got to have life to kind of feed this whole cycle because eventually, uh, what are they? There's a word that I'm thinking of, and I just want to make sure that I'm not using. What is this word? Wow, this is a really complex. There we go. The word I was, I was, yeah, this is correct. The word is entropy. <laughs> and yes. the, the real simple definition is a lack of order or predictability, gradual decline into disorder. So as it slowly, slowly declines, if you if you don't have any more life beating death and all that, it just eventually turns into just the void, if you think about it. Right. The nothingness. Yeah. So everything kind of is feeding everything. It's one big, large system. So, Yeah. I, I think our broker friend here is um, a little short-sighted, which is, I don't blame him. It's fine. And, and he is, but I think it was really neat to see that progress from beginning to the end of mm -hmm. being short-sighted. But he's starting to realize that death may not be the center of the universe. It is yeah. a, but one of many great powers. And to see his mind opening and expanding like that is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's a it's very well done. Okay. Yes, yes. Next up. If truth, what, if truth, what would this say of mortal souls and their potential? 
Uh, so I'm assuming uh, the nexus of the existence and all that, if that were true. Yes, if that were true. Would, okay, so if it is true that the very nexus of existence, if reality is a very nexus of existence where death is but one of many great powers, what would that say of mortal souls and their potential? Um, I think that, you know, kind of leads to another question that I kind of alluded to in, in another uh, episode where I was like, maybe we will one day find out where the origins of these souls come from. Maybe it is the, the you know, re- the realm of life where, because I mean, that's, that's what you gotta, you, you know, as you're going, um, you know, keep going down the line, you gotta go like, okay, where do those come from? Where do these come from? Where do these come from? <laughs> like, you know, so if something like the Arbiter is judging souls, right, and these souls come from these mortal beings, well, where do the souls originally come from? Are they just suddenly created uh, upon birth? I mean, okay, that's, you could describe it that way. I know, I know lots of cultures believe that. So right. that is that is a thing. Um, but if you want to go like into, you know, Warcraft land, is there an origin to them? Right. Before just, hey, you're mortal and you're born and you got this, uh, you got this soul now and it, it goes to the Shadowland. Right. Um, yeah. What what does that? What would you say? Like, like I don't know. What do, what do you think it possibly means for the, for the mortal souls and their potential alley? Well, I think this could be the reason why the, the us, you know, mortals here actually have potential and why we're able to be so powerful as to defeat some of the baddies we have in the past. Or, for example, Illidan defeating Zera or whatnot, is that there are all these different powers holding sway over the mortals. Yeah. And impacting uh-huh. the mortals in reality because it's the Nexus. And I think a really good one uh, to point to. This is what I'm thinking of. So if you're talking about the, the, the potential and things along these lines, this is kind of what it's kind of alluding to. And this is exactly where this, this kind of comes from. I have seen worlds bathed in the Maker's flames, their denizens fading without so much as a whimper. Entire planetary systems born and raised in the time that it takes your mortal hearts to beat once. Yet all throughout, my own heart devoid of emotion, of empathy, I have felt nothing. A million, million lives wasted. Had they all held within them your tenacity? Had they all loved life as you do? Perhaps it is your imperfection, that which grants you free will that allows you to persevere against all cosmically calculated odds. You prevail where the Titan's own perfect creations have failed. Ah, there you go. So that's the, that was the Algalon quote from, you know, after you defeat him. And this kind of, when you talk about the potential of mortals, that's what, like, I go to. is All the way back to Wrath of the Lich King, where Algalon the Observer (laughs) is like... Whoa, you guys have got a lot more going on from you than we thought. And for a long time, we kind of assumed that was because we're from Azeroth, right? But as we're in Shadowlands, we see like the truth behind, you know, Elune, you know, having other night warriors on other worlds and things along those lines. It, it might be something even more than that. Um, right. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of where my thought process goes is like the. So much of like, not necessarily, you know, and I think, I think what it really is, 
is if you got all of these different uh, forces, right? So, and, and we kind of got uh, a little bit of a little bit of a prelude to this a little bit uh, from the um, preface, the, the, you know, yes. right. The, what is that? Enemy infiltration. The dreadlords. Yeah. Yes, the dreadlords. Yes. <laughs> and they were talking about the, the way of thinking of all of these different um, powers where life to them was probably the most complex because it's such an antithesis of themselves. Uh, light, super easy. Cause they, you know, the one, the one truth. Uh, the the dreadlords, not the dreadlords. I'm sorry. The void lords were like, we see all possibilities. Blah. <laughs> so <laughs> that one was a little more. And I think that kind of lends credence to, if you think about it, if all of these different forces are bleeding into reality, we're not stuck in any way, right? Most likely, what you know, Sylvanas would say if we're, if we're going down that way is, is we don't have the free will to choose. We've never had it. But I think what they're really kind of alluding to is that, no, we, we do. We can, we have the, you know, the, the capability and the potential within all of us as these, these mortals, you know, kind of formed from all of these different powers that you know, we, we got a little bit of life, a little bit of death. Like it's all, it's all, it's all kind of intermingled and, and mixed in there. So we're not stuck in the, stuck in our ways, like say light would be, or, or like the Titans and their order was like, oh, order, order, order. Right. It's like, no, nah, you can, you know, leave the, you can leave the dishes in the sink for a, a day. You don't have to order <laughs> them, <laughs> you know, things like that. I, I think that's where, and, and someone who lives in, in the, the realm of death, which we didn't get, really get any uh, inkling as to how their thought process works, because I mean, obviously this was coming from the vantage point of the Dreadlords right. and they weren't talking yeah. about themselves. <laughs> they were talking about everyone else. But I'm, we got a little bit of a, a glimpse of that from these brokers saying that, oh, death isn't the center of the universe? What? <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't trade an anima? What? <laughs> Things like that. Right. Um, and, and I don't know. I, I think that's probably where a lot of this is leading to is that mortals in this reality-centered thing have the potential for a lot more than something from just these single um, realms, as you were. That that would be my takeaway. Felt like yeah. I went a little rambly there for a minute, but there we go. <laughs> it's good though. It's good rambles. Yeah, like we said, this is yeah. we're looking forward to this one because conversation and rambly, right? <laughs> and rambly. So we do. We ramble about lower. It's great. It's great. So we do have one question left from Alpharim, and I'm going to quote this exactly. He says, "And if the six, and then parentheses, it says." Or seven, or dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Excuse my imprecision. <laughs> the whole not knowing if it's six or seven or whatnot. Each vie with one another to claim it. Could they be driven by the unconscious knowledge that there exists some other force outside our understanding that seeks it as well? Yeah. <laughs> so I, cosmology war. Mm, yeah, that's uh, I'm not going to say confirmed, but mm, pretty confirmed. I mean, if they're vying to claim reality, the mortal souls and the realm of reality. Yeah. They're all fighting over us. That's what that sounds like. I mean, it, to me, it kind of seems like uh, each vie with one another to claim it. Could they be driven by an unconscious knowledge that there exists some other force outside 
our understanding that seeks it as well. Mm. So, yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's an interesting phrase here. Yeah, Each, I thought so I too. Yeah. To claim, it's okay. So, yeah, claiming basically, I don't know, they, they trying to claim this nexus of existence, the, the reality. Like, you know, in, in many ways, going back to like what the jailer says, death comes for the soul of your world. Right. That's probably what it's kind of talking about here. Could they be driven by an unconscious knowledge that there exists some other force outside our understanding that seeks it as well? So perhaps something outside, maybe first one in a sense, that is also maybe. vying for, for it as well. And I don't really know. Possibly. So, like this, this is the part that got me because... I mean, okay, so some other force outside our understanding. So some other force outside of the six? Or are they talking about, are they included in the six? Like, are we talking old gods or light lords? Or, like, I would guess that the six forces know about each other at this point, if all is to be believed with the shaping and ordering and whatnot. So what force would be outside of of them that would be seeking after reality? Is that is that the first ones like? I don't is know. that where they come? Are they the outside force? And seven yeah. and seven is the reality, the mortal I plane. Mean, that's kind of what we're going off of right now. At least that's what I'm yeah. going off of. Um, and I'm, I'm I guess I'm very interested to see how the first ones stack up with this, especially with the possibility of them being dead, being there's a sepulchre. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see and. Uh, you know, once this episode comes out, maybe maybe we'll start not knowing more because you know nine one everybody. We said we're holding nine one. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the advantage of drafting episodes on Tuesdays. Sometimes you get to say that you're holding nine one. <laughs> and that's the real reason that we're dropping it when we do. Yes, it is. Sure. Let's mm-hmm. let's go with that. <laughs> we planned it that way. <laughs> right. Right. Just like Kronk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The poison oh, goodness. Cusco. Cusco is poison. <laughs> oh, I love that movie so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, do you have any other thoughts on this business? Any, uh, this or any of these notes or this broker? Or no, I rambled a lot. So, um, I'm looking to know more. So, I, I, I yeah. I'm, I'm tapping out, coach. I'm I'm done. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting because, like, it on one hand, it's starting to give us a better idea of the first ones and the cosmology and whatnot, but only a little bit, and it raises more questions and and all of that, mm-hmm. which is fun and frustrating and fun. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's fun with the just little, like frustrating like mixed in because we want to know these answers already. And it feels like they just keep teasing us like, oh, we're going to tell you. We're going to tell you. Oh, no, we're we're not going to tell you. Oh, we're going to tell you this time. No, just kidding. We're not going to tell you. (laughs) Just tell us. We want to know things. That is what it feels like sometimes. Hey, guys, I got a secret. Oh, you're going to tell us? No. No. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you that the secret is going to be really good. Oh, oh, sweet. So so what are you going to tell us? I'm not going to tell you that either. (laughs) Basically. Well, 9.1 is coming out. Are you going to tell us the secret then? <laughs> we're gonna tell you about the secret, but we're not gonna tell you the secret. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna tease you more. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be excited to know more about the secret that we're not gonna tell you. Thanks. <laughs> I think appreciate it. 
Right. <laughs> uh, well, it's good. I'm super excited for 9.1. Welcome, everyone, to 9.1. Yes, welcome. <laughs> well, I think we can go ahead and start wrapping up the show as we like to do with a positive note. Stories. There's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story. Yep. It's true. It's true. I knew this was going to be a bit of a longer episode, so I wanted to find a short story. And this one kind of drew my attention. Just a nice little simple feel-good story. It's good. So there's a boat captain that runs shipwreck tours in Michigan and found a message in a bottle that was written in 1926 which I thought that was just awesome. Plus it drew my attention because pirates and whatnot, but with the assistance of some helpful people on the internet, that's right. People on the internet can actually be helpful. Uh, She was actually able to find the writer's daughter. So here's a short audio clip about it. I know the date on the uh, bottle was November, 1926 and his birthday was in november and it wouldn't surprise me if he just did that on his birthday during a late evening dive on friday owner of nautical north family adventures captain jennifer dowker discovered a 95 year old artifact i spotted that green bottle on the top of a fish bed so i'm like oh well that looks cool so i reached down and grabbed it and grabbed it and noticed there was paper in it. So immediately I was like, all right, this is great. The note inside read, will the person who find this bottle give this paper to George Morrow, Sheboygan, Michigan? Dated 1926. After it was shared on Facebook, it quickly gained a lot of attention and eventually Dowker was able to find George's daughter. It was a total shock, but knowing my dad, um, he always liked to do little things like when we were building our basement, he was putting up the paneling and he put a note behind that. While she plans to come take a look at the note for herself in September, Primo says she would rather have Dowker keep it. I, you know, I was really hoping to get it back and I was going to frame it and everything. And then I started, when I went to bed last night, I started thinking about it and it'll make my dad live on if I give it to Jen. Dowker says the bottle probably isn't the only interesting artifact in the bottom of the Sheboygan County Marina. So we found this the last time we washed the windows and I found this one this time we washed the windows. So there's tons of cool stuff down there. In Sheboygan, Kevin Hodge, 9 and 10 News. Sheboygan. <laughs> it's just fun to say Sheboygan. <laughs> but it's just, you know, I don't know. I just, I thought that was a neat little, a neat little ditty. Yeah, there was actually... A very similar story that I saw just the other day of someone who it, it was like it was only like five or six years something like that, but it you know I think it was a message of the bottle that washed up on the shore in Portugal, and it came from like Vermont. <laughs> Obviously, they were like visiting. Yeah, that, that's what it that's was. They so were visiting. Cool. They were visiting relatives <laughs> in um, in Rhode Island, and it was like the the note was like from a, like a. Like a 12 year old or something like that. Hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm from Vermont and <laughs> I'm visiting relatives in Rhode Island. Hi. And it showed up in Portugal. <laughs> just that's that so awful. cool. That yeah, is this, awesome. is, this was cool too. 90, 95 years old. So that's pretty freaking awesome. That is. Yeah, 1926. Like, I can't imagine being that lady and like here getting the call about this message that your dad wrote forever ago. I, I just think that's really cool. I like that, that she's being awesome. so thoughtful and, you know, letting her dad live on the way that he would like. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. sweet. All right, well, 
I think that's going to do it today. I mean, would you agree? I think I think so. I think we're I think we're good. I think we're done. Yeah, let's go ahead and say bye, everybody, as we contemplate our place in the universe and <laughs> where where we fall in this grand design of the first ones. <laughs> our place is to be the Herald of Nine Point One, Jen. Oh, well, yeah, we are. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Live, Laugh, Lore. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a question that you're just dying to know the answer to, send us an email at livelaughlorecast at gmail.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at live underscore laugh underscore lore. You can follow Jin on Twitter at Jared Cooster, and you can follow Allie at Allie Anders K. Meanwhile, be kind and take care. <laughs>